Oh, all right. All right, so if you have a Bible, um, grab it, and uh, you can turn to Colossians chapter 1. That's where we're going to end up. Uh, to get there, I want to I lay a little groundwork for us. Um, I, I, uh, I, I want us to, to be aware of what it is that we are um, discussing today. Not that any other time that we're not aware of it, uh, but we are in a, uh, a series right now called Foundations, um, What Matters to Us. And as we, as we are, are talking about what it is that matters to us, we're talking about the foundations in which we believe. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about how uh, the, the, the Word of God is um, the, 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 the supreme authority in which we have, because uh, that's God's communication of Himself to us. So we go there as the final authority. Um, so I want us to, to be able to, to, to look into the Word, to see what it says, and then see um, what... Uh, what is going on around us and how what is going on around us should not dictate the way in which we believe what is contained inside of God's Word. What, what do I mean? Well, for instance, what we're going to talk about today is something that as soon as we, we, we say uh, creation, um, the, the, the enemy, I guess you could say, of creation is evolution. So anytime you, you talk about uh, foundational doctrines um, the, uh, of, of the faith and foundational doctrines of, of our church, uh, it, it, they, they need to be um, understood that we don't live in a vacuum. And I guess that's where I want to go today. Is like We don't live in a vacuum. We're going to talk about creation and how God created everything. So I, I want to like lay a little groundwork to just give you a little bit of understanding where the enemy is coming from. Uh, and when I say enemy, I'm, I'm talking about Satan and, and his cohort, cohort, I should say. Uh, his demons, or I like to call them his minions, like where he's going to entice and, and excite people to uh, attack creationism. Um, and and when I, why I want to make that distinction is um, people are not our enemies. The enemy is the enemy. Uh, this is something we've been stressing tremendously on Wednesday night in our small group um, when we're talking about cults and, and other world religions is they're not the enemy, uh, they're lost, they need Jesus. So what we need to do is when we're looking at, especially today, when we're talking about uh, creation and we're going to talk about evolution, um, we don't need to look at someone, if you have um, a, a friend, a relative, or whatever that's an evolutionist, we don't have to look at them as the enemy. You just have to look at them as someone, they don't know the truth. And the truth in which they think they know is not really the truth. So with all that, I wanted to, to lay a little groundwork for us so we can then jump into our text here in Colossians chapter 1. So when we talk about creation, uh, the, the, um, uh, the lure is towards evolution and um, the sciences, right? And uh, I'm going to say something about science in a minute, but evolution in particular, uh, I thought it would be interesting for us to, to kind of look at what evolution says real briefly, because some people say, well, I could be a Christian and believe in evolution, and everything's okay. Well, you can't because evolution, they, they have claims uh, to be uh, able to, to uh, uh, wear that title of, of an evolutionist. I just wrote down uh, three of these claims today because I think these are the three that, that, that are um, in uh, complete and clear contradiction to what the Bible tells us. Uh, so uh, you can write these down. The first one is this, that the evolutionary claims um, that, that conflict with, with Christianity, number one, um, nothing made everything. So, I mean, there, there's even a TV show, and I'm not gonna, you're not going to hell if you watch uh, The Big Bang Theory. 
But because, um, you know, Sheldon is very funny at times. Uh, but um, th- there's th- this idea that all of a sudden, no thing, and, and I, I made that, uh, it's hyphenated, no thing created everything. And all of a sudden, boom, everything sprung into existence out of nothing. So that, that's a claim. Now, we uh, uh, as Christians will say things like, well, yeah, it, it was the Big Bang was God spoke. Oh, oh, okay, but understand that it doesn't, it, it doesn't equate to no thing. Okay? So that, that understanding of nothing made everything, that's a claim of, of, of the evolutionists. Um, the second one, chaos made order. Now when I say chaos, I'm not talking about our kids down the hall and everything, but chaos made order. This is interesting because the, the orderliness of the universe, um, they believe, is, is, a, is a result of a cataclysmic disorder. So things were in such disarray that they became, um, all of a sudden, uh, fell into place. How many of you wish that that would be true for your house? <laughs> right? Just if everything would just be like, everything's out of order. And I said, oh wait, it's so out of order, it's in order. I, had a, I heard a guy one time, uh, I don't know if he was a preacher or a theologian, some guy, he, he just, he, it stuck with me. He said, the idea that chaos created order is, is akin to a tornado going through an aircraft junkyard and um, through, while it goes through the aircraft junkyard, uh, uh, putting together a 747 that is airworthy, that is flyable. So taking all the pieces and just because of wind and chaos coming through there, it's just all of a sudden going to assemble. That's an evolutionary claim that this chaos made order. Anybody who has kids know that chaos does not make order, right? All right, the third one here, because I don't want to spend a whole bunch of time here, but I think this is important. Third one here is impersonal matter made personal matter. What do I mean? What I mean that you have this, it all started up with a, you know, all of a sudden, and it was, there was no person, no personal feeling or any, nothing that was, that was involved, all of a sudden created you and I, who have feelings and have emotions and have uh, um, the ability to think. But not only that, but we have identity. We have, well, so at least some of you have, personality. <laughs> some of you are like, All right, that was funny. Yeah, the others are, oh, that's not funny. It's because you ain't got one. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm not. Um, but understand that impersonal matter uh, created or, or uh, made personal matter. Now, when we look at these claims, and, and again, there, there are probably many other, and you could probably come up with, with uh, others that you know. When we look at these claims, these are claims that are in complete contradiction to the Christian faith. Now, when I tell you all this stuff today, and this is one of the things I, I, I penciled in here at the top of my notes, is I, I don't want to just give you a bunch of information. This is for transformation. Even this, this stuff here, because what this does is this uh, alerts us that there is, there is false truth out there. Who would have thunk it, right? There's this false truth that's going on. Not only what is it going on in the news and everything, but it goes on in things um, that are, are very important, the foundational issues of how the earth or how the universe started. The false truth is that it just kind of eh, evolved 
And we're just here because some primordial, or mortal, primordial? I don't know, scum, a whole bunch of, of billions and trillions of years ago, you know, just evolved into this and kind of went up the chain. Uh, a question that, that is asked when I talk about creation um, is, okay, how old's the earth then? I, I don't know. Older than Marlin. And so, pretty old. Pretty old. Pretty old. But anyhow, um, there. What we do know is it's not millions and billions and trillions and quadrillions and whatever that number is, the years old. But and we, didn't, we didn't just evolve into where we're at. Now here's another, another um, uh, angle in which we have to look at this real quick because we can look at the, the, the evolutionists and say, well, yeah, it's clear we don't believe that. That's not what the Bible teaches us. Uh, another thing that we need to be a, l- a little aware of is naturalism, especially in our organic culture that we live in. Right? I was going to say with well, people with skinny jeans and, and, and funky hair and everything, but I got told today that I'm wearing skinny jeans. These aren't skinny jeans. These are just comfy fat boy jeans. Um, <laughs> they got stretch in them. Uh, but uh, understand that naturalism conflicts with Christianity. Now, what, what, do, you mean, what do I mean when I say naturalism? Uh, naturalism is a belief that all phenomena can be explained in terms of presently operating natural causes and laws. So anything that happens can be uh, explained through natural causes and laws. It's claiming that the only true knowledge is what we can observe through experience. So that, well, why is that, why is that a, a problem, Lee? Well, because if natural science is the judge of all truth, and I'm not saying that, that science is bad, we'll talk about that in a second, but if, if this is the, 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 the judge or the arbiter of all truth, what happens is God is omitted, and um, Christianity just, is just uh, labeled as superstition. So we have to understand that, that all truth does not come from science. Now, in that statement, we don't need to be uh, afraid or scared or shy when it comes to science. People say, well, Christianity and science, they don't go together. Well, you're You're wrong. If a Christian says that, 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 Christ, that Christianity and science um, don't come together, you need to give them clarity. Because there's absolutely no conflict between Christianity and science itself. Why is that? It's because the Christian worldview, which believes God created the world with natural laws and orderliness, is the foundation or is the under, what undergirds the entire scientific enterprise. All, what do I mean? Science is developed and is practiced upon laws. Right? Let's, the, the, the law I always like to talk about is the law of gravity. All right? I can say, well, I don't believe in the law of gravity. It doesn't matter I don't, if I say I don't believe in that. I mean, if I climb up on top of, of, of the church and step off, even if I don't believe in that law, the law is going to be enacted. Right? And then I'll be up here in, in, a, in a brace, a full body cast, preaching, right? Yeah, but it doesn't matter if we say, I don't believe in the law or not. What we have to understand is that, that the laws in which God created this orderliness, this is what science is, is built upon. So don't be, don't be scared of science. Science is not our enemy. Why do I say all this? All this is just to lay that foundation of, okay, where are we going? 
What are we talking about? We're going to talk about um, one of the, the, the biggest, biggest events in uh, human history, which is creation. Now, we're not going to just stop at, at creation. We're going to talk about creation and providence. So what we believe here at, at, at LifePoint is that we believe that God created the world from nothing and governs all things at all times in all places. Now, I don't know if that, um, if that definition or that statement uh, in our doctrine is clear enough for you, um, but that three-letter word, A-L-L, means all. Everything. What about, yes. But, you know, I've I, I seen this happen, yes. W whatever it is you can throw... How about this? Let's go on a personal level. What about what it, what it, what it is I'm dealing with now? What it is, the, the, the situations in my life I'm dealing with family, or maybe I'm dealing with this pain in my body, or what, what, what is it? God still sustaining all life. He's still in control. Why is he allowing some things to happen and not others? I don't know, but what we have to do is we have to keep focus and we have to understand that he's still in control. Amidst the chaos that's going on around us, he's still holding us. He's still holding the universe in the palm of his hand. So the big idea today is as we think about that, that truth, the big idea is that the creator's truth, notice I put the creator, big, big letter C, creator, the, the creator's truth impacts the creation's reality. What does that mean? That means the truth of who God is impacts your life. Like the law of gravity. Well, I don't really believe in God, and I don't believe in His way of doing things. It doesn't matter if you believe in it or not. It still impacts your life. The question is, how are you going to let God lead you through this? He's sustaining. He's in control. But you, 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 you're most most time. You know me. I think of my 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 son, and he's at that age now that um, he just wants to fight back on everything, argue about everything. And I and I I believe that it's not it, it, my dad's thinking. Well, yeah, that's what you deserve. That's how you were when a kid. I get it. Totally get it. But I think about even more. That's that's kind of like my relationship with God a lot. God wants what's best, but I'm just fighting against him. I'm fighting against him. And then there's some good times. I'm like, oh, I love you, and yes, you're right. I'm going to follow you. And then something doesn't go my way. I'm like, I'm fighting with him, and there's struggle. It doesn't matter if I'm struggling or I'm fighting or I'm resisting God. God's still in control. God can overpower me, just like my, my son. If he, he wants to lash out, I can overpower my son no matter what happens. God can overpower us no matter what it is that happens, but sometimes we like to flex our muscles and stand. We, we like to do the Lieutenant Dan in the middle of the storm and smite me, God! Where are you now? Remember that scene when he's up on top of the mast there? Yep, no, it's not. Hey, watch, watch uh, Forrest Gump. All 45 hours of it. <laughs> My mama said, yeah. But the Creator's truth impacts the creation's reality. That's where we get this understanding of the doctrine of uh, creation, uh, the doctrine of providence. Uh, as we look, let's, let's look at Colossians chapter 1. <clears throat> We're going to draw a bunch of stuff from, from Colossians chapter 1. There are, in your notes, there are a, a bunch of other references. These are for your enjoyment that you can, in your um, quiet time, daily quiet time with the Lord, you can get into these, because I know everybody's doing that. 
If not, it's a good practice. But uh, I, I want to read Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 20. Uh, I think I've said this before, but I, I, I'm, this is one of those, those texts that, if it's not the, 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 the number one favorite text of mine in all the Scripture, a uh, portion of Scripture, it, it's up there. It's, it's within the top three. Because I see a, a beautiful image uh, of what it is, and I should say who it is, which defines and, and communicates uh, everything. Now, was it last week, week before we talked about, uh, or no, it was last week we talked about the doctrine of God and we talked about the Trinity and everything, and I told you that, that um, we look to the person of, of Jesus Christ, we see uh, the Father and the Spirit, and, and I, I believe that this is true even as we look at this text right here, because that is God's revelation of Himself to us, is His Son. If you, if you read one of the, the, uh, the other passages is Hebrews chapter 1 where it talks about um, that he is the exact imprint. It says that in long, long ago the, the prophet spoke, but now in these days I'm speaking through my son. Well, Jesus is already gone. That's been 2,000 years. No, no, we have the words, we have the picture, we have the person of who Jesus is, and we're, we're reading this. So what we are, we're understanding is as we're reading this, as we're talking about creation, we have to look at the Creator. Because if we look at the Creator, uh, I wrote down there at the bottom of, of, of your notes there, that without a Creator, we would lack the central truth for all creation. We have to look at the Creator to understand better creation. And I think that we see this, we see a, good, a beautiful picture of the Creator here in Colossians chapter 1. Uh, verse 15. So it says, He is the image of the invisible God. So um, for, for uh, gold stars, who is He? Oh man, I got, I got plenty of gold stars in my pocket. So who is He? Jesus. Jesus. Okay, so it's talking about Jesus. If you have a little subtitle there above this, it says the preeminence of Christ. Um, he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Pause for one second. Now, I told the elders this, and this is something I've been wrestling with all week, trying to explain to you this sentence, this, actually this word in here, this firstborn, because what has happened um, is this word has caused a lot of trouble for a lot of people who have got sucked into cultish activity. Now, when I say that, I was, as I was talking to even the guys this morning, is I, was, I can easily tell you that this word, this is not a, a um, like my, my oldest daughter is my firstborn. It's not a chronology of firstborn. This is a supremacy. This is, is talking about God's, or Jesus's, he's overall, he's more important than all, he's preeminent overall. I can just tell you that, um, and then we can move on. But we're in a series about learning about the doctrines of our church. So you, we don't just need to oh, just take the pastor's word for it and we need to move on. You need to understand. What I want to do is I want you to understand truly, <clears throat> excuse me as I hit that high note, truly what this means. And as we look at this, we don't get sucked into, uh, we talked, I told you about the Jehovah's Witnesses, a big one that says, well, right there, it says that Jesus was created. No, Jesus wasn't created. This is talking about his supremacy. Why do I know that? Well, I, I like, and I actually asked Scott about this uh, this week too. 
Um, and I didn't like his answer, so I asked somebody else. Um, but no, no, he, he gave me a really good reference that, that I liked. He was talking about when Jacob had his, his sons um, uh, blessed uh, by, by, by Isaac and everything. I think it's a good picture. But I, I, I wanted something just a little bit clearer because I'm, I'm a little bit more simple, and I need clear lines here. So I went back to the book of Exodus. You don't have to go there, but I want to read you Exodus chapter 4. It's probably not going to come up on the screen because this is a last-minute edition here. So in Exodus chapter 4, um, when Moses is talking to Pharaoh about uh, the, the people, you know, when Charleston Heston is saying, Let my people go! Right? You got pictures in your head now? In Exodus chapter 4, verse 22, uh, God says here to, to, uh, to Moses to say to Pharaoh, then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel, my firstborn son, and I say, and I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn. What he says there in verse 22, that thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. We have to understand with that, that's a, a good picture of what we're talking about. Um, Israel was not the first people on, on, on the earth. God is clarifying and He is determining. I like to use the word, this is like that election. God has elected these people, and because He's elected these people, they have preeminence over, over the rest. This is what, what's happening here. So when, when um, Moses is, is telling Pharaoh that, that God said that Israel is my firstborn, these are supreme over all the rest of the people. Well, I thought everybody was created equal. No, just let's not even go into that argument. Let's what we have to do is look at the, the importance of God's cho choosing and God's de declaration of supremacy for a certain people. Now, what we have to understand is Jesus is a fulfillment of all in which the people of God in the Old Testament could not do. So when it's saying here in Colossians chapter 1 that He is the, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, this is Paul bringing back to the remembrance of, of this church in Colossae that Jesus fulfills everything that, that God's people in the Old Testament could not do. That is why He is a faithful and a high priest. That is why He can sympathize uh, with us in everything. That is why He, he is set above all. So when we say that, He is the image of the invisible um, God, the firstborn of all creation, it is not that, that Jesus was or is a created being. It's a very important. Verse 16 goes on to say, For by Him, so by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. I love that, for by Him, all things. All things. If, if He was... a this is, goes back to that argument. If he was a created being, he would he would had to have created himself, and it wouldn't. It just doesn't make sense here, even with inside the text. That he would be part of that all. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. If you don't have that underlined or highlighted in your Bible, I think you should, because what that does is that that gives us the proper perspective of what creation is. That gives us a proper perspective of our lives. What do you mean? What are you talking about? That all things were created through Him. He's the one that created everything. Jesus created everything. Well, I thought it was God spoken. Jesus is the Word of God. And John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So understand that when, when, when the Father spoke, it was the Son that did the action. 
through the power and the empowerment, says that the Spirit was hovering over the face of the earth. That's a beautiful picture of the Trinity that is present at creation. As we talked last week about the Trinity, what we see is creation is the overflow of the love of the Trinity, the fellowship of the Trinity, so we can, we can enjoy the Creator. So it goes, and when it says that all things were created through Him, but for Him. This is a touchy subject for some. Well, God created all this for us. Well, yes, but. He created it for Himself, he, but He does want us to enjoy that in which He has created. He does want us to enjoy that in which He's given to you. Some people are blessed more than others. That's fine. <coughs> Having stuff is not wrong. It's when the stuff has us. When it's like, I deserve this. I, no, no, no. Here, what we have to understand, creation was created for Him. If we were created for him, maybe he wants you to have that, whatever, that new rifle, that new boat, that new dress, that new car. Well, I don't know. What, whatever that may, may be. But as long as whatever that is, we understand that it's, it, it, it was created. Well, I think Daimler Chrysler created my car. No, you're missing the point here. You're missing the point. Everything was created for him. Why is everything, why do we have to have that perspective that everything was created for him? Because when we let go of things, when we say that we are, it's God's, we have a better understanding that we're just stewards of it. I'm a steward of my wife. I'm a steward of my children. They're not mine. I do not own them. If I thought that, well, God placed Shannon on this earth just for me, if I have that thought, well, here's the deal. I, I believe that there is a, that connection. Did God give me my wife? Did Shannon get blessed with the, 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 the most awesomest husband in the world? Yes. We, we believe that. We, we do. She's not in here to argue. She's back with the kids. So, uh, yeah. So, yes, we do believe that. But we understand is our marriage is for the glory of God. It was, it's for Him. She'll, she'll answer the question, this question, the same. Like, what, what is primary in our relationship? God is. What we've talked in the past, it's, He's not first, and I get it, but with some people, we put God first in our life. Okay, what, you, you do what you want. I don't, I don't care, but I think it's better when we have God central. He's center, He's primary, then everything else revolves around Him. Do we always meet up in the middle? No. It's like we're trying to fight sometimes to get to the middle. But if I were to say, well, this is all for me. If I'm going to have a good marriage or if I'm going to have a good job or whatever it may be, it's all for me. I deserve this. No, we don't deserve nothing. What we get to do is we get to enjoy the blessings which God has given us. When we have that perspective, everything changes. Everything changes. We're able to deal with, I believe, we're able to deal with the, the lows as much as we're able to deal with the highs, understanding that He's in control. It's all about Him. It's all about Jesus. Let me go on because we'll be here till dinner time. Oh, we're doing good. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things and in Him. That's another reference. Like He, he was before all creation. He existed um, for eternity. So there's no beginning to Jesus. There's no beginning to the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit. There's no beginning to the Godhead. And, uh, and in Him, so in, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Uh, some people like to say, well, He's the glue. What, what, however you want to, to look at that. He's what bonds creation Life, the universe, together. 
He is the head of the body, the church. I love how he just throws that in there. Because he's talking about the, 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 this, this huge picture of creation and, and, and authority, and this not only what you can see, but what you can't see. And then he says, and he's the head of the, the body, the church. So Paul's bringing it back like, this is important. It's important. Who's in charge of the church? Not Pastor Lee. It's Jesus. This is Jesus. We, we prayed this this morning in our elders' meeting. That, that, we, that, that we feel as elders, that we feel the weight of, of the responsibility on which we are in because our church is a church that was bought by the blood of Christ. We want to feel that weight because it, it, He's the head. We, we, we don't want to, everybody to, to follow the, 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 the pastor or the elders or a leader or whatever. No, no, we want Jesus, people to follow Jesus because He's the head. We're just hoping to point you in the right direction here. Let me go on. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Back to the firstborn. He's, he's, a for, he's preeminent. It says that. That in everything he might be preeminent. He, he's before, he's above all things. Preeminent. The most important thing ever. Ever, 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 ever. He is the most important. For in him, this is huge. This is huge. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him. So wait a second. What does that mean? All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That means the Godhead was contained with inside the person of Jesus. But doesn't that limit God? No. Why doesn't that limit God? I don't know. Because He's God. I don't know how that works. I don't know how, I don't know, I don't have a logical explanation for every uh, uh, um, nuance of, of the faith. That's why it's called the faith. That's why it's called belief. And it's not just a head thing, it's a heart thing. It's taking, I'm, I'm learning, okay, it says. Now, does it explain, and I think I love, I don't think I put it in my, my notes. I, I was going to. I, I love how um, Galileo, uh, Galileo, uh, uh, how Galileo talks about, um, and I'm going to butcher this quote, but whatever. He, he says something along the, the, the lines of uh, the, the, the Word of God, about, or the Holy Ghost tells us in, in the Word of God um, uh, um, uh, how to get to heaven, but does not explain the heavens. So understand there are things that we, we, are, we have the, the ability, the understanding to, to know we can get so far that, okay, God reveals things like this. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell. All right? In Jesus, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. How does that look? I don't know. But God says that. And there are things that I've got to take that step and say, okay, I don't know, but maybe I don't know how that all works, but I know what that means then. If the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in the person of Jesus, what that means is I can look to Jesus and see who God is. He's the, the, the picture. In uh, Hebrews 1, it says he is the exact imprint. So understand that, that I, I want to know God more. Look to Jesus. Look to him, because if you don't look to him, you're not going to understand who God is. Let's go on. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. Reconcile all things. That, that means creation, too. All things. That's not just people. People think, well, it's just reconciling people to himself. No, it's the reconciliation of all creation. Paul talks in Romans how uh, the, the, the creation just groans and cries out for this. You, you think that the, the part of God's plan was uh, earthquakes and mudslides and typhoons and all that? 
No, that, that's creation, creation just groaning for, and I'm not personalizing, not put, I'm not, or what's that mean? Personifying uh, uh, weather patterns or, or phenomena like that. I'm just saying that creation itself is to be reconciled. The Bible says that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And then that new heaven and new earth, that's where, that's where we're going to, to, to be able to, to see this reconciliation in its fullness. So, so, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Now, I got 10 minutes to go through, through three points and, or three fill ins here, four, I don't know, seven things. Let's do this. <sighs> And I, I mean, I could just stop and say amen right there, that we could be reconciled. That, that last point there, making peace by the blood of His cross. Without the blood of His cross, we, we don't have anything. Let's go on. Okay, first point here. God created the whole world from nothing. Okay, well, why is that important? It, it is very important because the, nothing precedes God. So for God to make... The, the creation out of something, that means there has to be something that uh, equates with God. Nothing is equal to God. Let me also go to the extent to so the, the, the panentheists, panentheists, not pantheists, panentheists, that means that they, they think that God is in everything. God is not in everything. God is in this tree. God is in this rock. God is in... No, 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 no. God precedes. He's before everything. Nothing is equal to God. Nothing is God. God is God, period. That's why it's important that we, we believe that God created the whole world out, or I should say, from nothing. We, we talked, when we started out with the evolutionary claim, it, that we can see that, oh, wait, that kind of lines up. No, 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 it, it, it doesn't, because this is God created. They don't believe that God created. They don't believe God. Let's go look at the second one here. Creation, and I put in there, creation according to the design of God was good. What do I mean according to the design of God? Before the fall happened, before Adam and Eve partook of the fruit and, and sin entered into the world, before the fall, God's design creation here was good. Uh, you can see that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. You don't have to go there. You can go there later. But I like to, 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 to have this image, though, that we can look out and we can say, man, that's a beautiful sunset or a beautiful sunrise. If, if you're up in the morning and you see a sunrise, let me know about how that, that looks. Take a picture. Um, but we can look. This is beautiful. We can look at this creation and say, oh, look at God's beauty. And you know what? There are very beautiful things. But the beauty in which we see is the result of the fracture of the world. Now, what do I say that? Do, do, am, I, am I saying that you shouldn't enjoy that? No, 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 no. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is the fullness of the beauty of God's creation, we can't even grasp. We're seeing a little glimpse. We're seeing a glimpse of, 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 of the creation in which God created before sin entered into the world. So when we're saying, this is awesome, just wait for what's next. Like Scott said when, we were, when he was in worship there, like, sometimes we got to wait. Well, what, what, what awaits us, what awaits us is this, this beauty that is uncomprehendable. But we get a little glimpses here and there. So that's why I think it's, it's important to see, like, there was a fracture that happened, that creation was created good, but the, that happened, but we get to see a little bit. But that's like, it's like, um, what do they call that on, on the, uh, the computer? Clickbait? 
The clickbait, where they, it's, a, it's a, a picture where they want to get you to click it to go to somewhere else. I don't know, I heard that term. Maybe my kids are teaching me wrong. But anyways, we get a little... Bobby's like, I don't know either. He's, he's still trying to figure out what TikTok is. He's looking for a clock. Um, but uh, we get a little, little glimpse of, of God's creation. Next one. And, and, and this is going to bring us into the providence. That was all, those two were, were really focused on creation. Now let's look at providence real, real quick. Because providence, what that means, uh, is, is it, or it, the definition is the means by and through which God governs all the universe. Providence is just like God's governing everything. God's in control. How about that? Some of you don't like to hear that. Wait a second, I'm in control. No, you're not. Like, hold your breath and don't breathe. See how that works out for you. You're dependent upon something, right? So God is in control. He is independent. He is non-dependent on anything. So God holds the universe together. In Hebrews chapter 1, I referred there, but in Colossians here it says that we have this understanding that He holds the universe together by the power of His Word, but He holds it together in Himself. Jesus holds the universe together. So when we think it's out of control, Jesus is still in control. How is Jesus in control and all this stuff happening in China? I, I, I don't know. Was God causing it? I'm not saying God's causing anything. But there's got to be a part of this plan. What about the, the situation that's going on in my life? Why is God allowing that? I don't know. But I'm trusting that God's still in control. I, I say this all the time, and some of you get sick of hearing me say this, but God's still sitting on the throne. No matter what situation is happening, He's still on the throne. Sometimes we forget, because what we've done is we've tried to push Him off the throne, and we ourselves sit on that throne. But God's still on the throne. He holds the universe together. Now, when we think about that, He holds the universe together, and it, it, um, this creation was, is just a beautiful uh, a, a design in which He has given us. We just get a glimpse of that. I think it's important that we ask the so what question. Because that, what we can do is we can, we can say all these things, that God's a creator, He created out of nothing. He, he created this thing that was good, and, and yes, sin entered, sin entered into the world, and we can just get little glimpses. But we, 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 can, we can also say that He holds everything together. So, so what? I, I know none of you say that, so I asked that question for you. So what? Why is this so important that we have this truth that we stand upon? Four things. I, I, actually, I had a list of 12, and I whittled it down to four. You're welcome. That's my Christmas, Easter, birthday present to you, whatever it is. Four things, and I'm going to buzz through these in five minutes and we'll be gone. So, so chill out, relax, take a deep breath. Ready? Thank you very much. Always can count on a handle. Since there is a Creator who sustains everything, since all of this, we have, number one, permanence. What do I mean by permanence? We have a firm foundation. We have stability. We don't need to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Mike, you're giving all my thunder away. You've put them all up at the same time. Dang. Well, come on. No, so permanence, we have not only a firm foundation, we have a reality. I think this is important too. Part of this permanence is there's a sense of humility. It's a sense that we are not God. 
I don't know if that is, is as freeing for you as it is for me. Being reminded that I'm not God is just an awesome thing. Because what it is, I try to be God of my life. And i got to remember, I'm not God. Quit trying to act like Him. Let God be God. It's freeing. Some of you are like, what do you mean? I I don't know. Some of you try to lord over everything in your life. You don't let God do His work in you because you have to have your hands on the wheel all the time. What, What does the great theologian Carrie Underwood say? Jesus, take the wheel, right? Now, sometimes we do need to do that. It's not that we go out of control. No, we let God control us. He has much better things in store than what you are thinking. He promises that. Okay, second thing, security. Now, the security, what do you mean? We have assurance. We can have confidence. Because we have a Creator who sustains everything, our fears, anxieties, whatever you want to call that, can be put to ease because we can rest in Him. Yeah, but this has got to happen. Remember, hey, let Him take the wheel. Yeah, but if this doesn't happen, then this doesn't happen. Yeah, like God works on your timeline. Does He work on your timeline? I don't know. Anybody here, does God work on your timeline? Usually what happens to me is I hear this chuckle when I say, God, this needs to happen. It's almost like the Bill Cosby Noah skit, right? Anybody remember that? Yeah, okay, a couple. But when I put this timeline out, God, this has to happen and this has to happen, I hear this, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sometimes when he wants to have a good joke, is he allows it to happen, and he says, hmm, how'd that work out for you? No one in here has ever had that, right? Just me? Okay. Number three, purpose. We are the most medicated country in the world because people walk around and they feel like they don't have purpose. It causes depression and everything. Now, I'm not saying that if you are one that is on meds, don't go home and flush all your meds down the toilet. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying, though, is what we have to keep focus on is because we have a Creator who sustains everything, we have purpose. God has a purpose for you. If you're here, if you have breath in your lungs, God has a purpose for you. Well, I don't know what that is. That's the beautiful part about relationship. He wants you to, to uh, draw close to Him so you can see what it is that purpose is. Instead of trying to make your purpose what you want it to be, let, let God make His purpose real in your life. Let me use that word, real. Make that a reality in your life. Number four, and we'll end with this, hope. Since there is a Creator who sustains everything, we have hope. We have hope for life. We have hope for peace. We have hope for joy. Yes, we have hope for joy. We have hope for peace. Peace. The peace that surpasses all understanding. Yes. Because we have a a Creator who sustains everything. It's not all up to you. It's not all up to me. It's all up to Him. Back to that, 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 that statement that I told you earlier. Without a Creator, we would lack the central truth for all creation. Without a creator, we would like the central truth for all creation. Creation is just part of God's plan to display His glory. And you're part of that creation. I'm part of that creation. We are part of that creation. We're, we're here to display the glory of God. How do we do that? It's by that relationship in which we have with Him. It's by surrendering, surrendering to Him, saying, okay, God, you're, you're God, I'm not. What, what, what am I to do? Where do I need to go? What do I need to say? Let's pray.
God, we love you. Father, we thank you. Jesus, we just ask that we can learn more about you. Spirit, we ask that you just continue to stir inside of us. Uh, Father, we, we, we want to just be your people that are on mission for you, doing your work in the community in which you've put us in, in the positions in which you've put us in, in the roles in which you've put us in. God, let us show your glory. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.